You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Appreciate you guys so much for letting me do this. Uh, pray for me if you would. I'm not feeling the greatest, so just keep me in your, in your prayers. I'm preaching this message, but I really appreciate you guys letting me do this. I love you so much, and um, there's nothing better than preaching to, to you guys because I know you guys, um, you know, uh, just you love me and you love me, you know, and you you're taking me for God's word and you just you guys are just the best the best congregation in the world So I just love you so much Love you, love you too, Michael. Love you too. All right <clears throat> All right, so open up your Bibles if you would to the book of first John first John chapter 1 First John chapter 1 and we're going to be reading the first verse in 1 John 1, and then we're going to move over to 1 John chapter 3 and read the first verse there. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. First John 1, 1. The Bible says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now move over to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, if you would. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for um, just the opportunity to preach, Lord. Thank you so much for uh, saving my soul, calling me to preach, and allowing me to be a part of this church congregation, Lord. I just thank you so much for all that you've done in my life, Lord. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for your mercy in my life, Lord. And who knows where I would be without you, Lord. I think I would be dead or um, just a homeless person. I'm serious, Lord. Thinking about where I would be without you is one of the most amazing yet scary things in the world, Lord. So I just thank you so much for all that you've done for me, Lord. I thank you for the victories that I've been given. I thank you for making me an overcomer and just helping me abide in your word, Lord. And uh, you're just so amazing, God. I just love you so much, Lord. And um, I ask that you just please open up the hearts of everybody here listening, Lord, and just please be with me, speak through me, and just help me bring glory to you, Lord. Help me point to you and just be an encouragement to these people, Lord. And just please, please speak through me and just help me be the man that you call me to be, Lord. Anoint me to preach and help me um, just preach the message that you would have me to preach here tonight, Lord. You're my best friend. You're my Savior. You're my King. You're my everything, Lord. And I love you so much. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So looking at the first epistle of John, we see that first of all, it was written by the apostle of John, by John the Beloved, and it was written to born-again believers, children of Christ, families um, in Christ, people who are saved, and it was written to them for a primary reason, a primary purpose. It was written to prove the humanity in parallel with the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it was written, to prove the humanity in parallel with the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, also to rebuke the Gnostics as well, to rebuke Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism was a false teaching that was kind of taking over in the first century church and was infiltrating the, the young churches and the young believers, and it was a very, very um, problematic thing going on in the early church during this time because Gnosticism believed a lot of false teachings and a lot of things that was going directly against the Word of God. And one of the main things that Gnosticism teached was they denied the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
They denied it. They didn't believe it. And that teaching was getting into the churches at this time. So John the Apostle sends a message proving the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ and proving the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, pointing to the death, burial, and resurrection. And he's giving this to the family, to the Christians who are saved, to give them an answer to the Gnostics when they come knocking at their door. Now the reason why this is very important is the way John did it. John did it in a way that we can all learn from and we can all use in our daily lives. And that's because John did not use eloquence or very educated words or anything like that. John did something very simple, something that we can all do on a daily basis, something that we can all do when somebody comes knocking at our door and tries to give us doubts or tries to make us um, lose faith in what we believe in. And what John did was John used his personal experiences with Jesus Christ to rebuke Gnosticism. He used his personal experience to rebuke the Gnostics and also to prove the humanity and deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it very well, very simple, and he broke it down perfectly in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. So look with me, if you would, to the experiences that John went through. We see that his experiences pointed to the reality of Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life." So right there to start off, he points to the deity of Jesus Christ, that which was from the beginning. It's kind of in parallel to the Gospel of John. We just talked about that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, pointing to the same thing, the parallel of the two. And we know there that the term Word in John chapter 1 is referring to Jesus Christ. We see the Word here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. It's talking about Jesus Christ being there from the beginning, before the foundations of the world. It's pointing to the deity of Jesus Christ. So that's how John starts off. The deity of Jesus Christ, the word of God, the word of life, he's been here from the beginning. But then he goes on to talk about the humanity of Jesus Christ as well, saying, hey, I walked with him, I talked with him, I know him. He uses his personal experiences to prove the humanity of Jesus Christ. Notice what he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. See, right there, he uses his senses and his experiences to prove the humanity of Jesus Christ. So the Gnostics had no argument after that. They couldn't say anything because John is using his personal, first-hand experiences with our Savior. Look what he does here, breaking it down. First off, we see that John heard him. What John heard says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. See, the importance of this word, heard, is that it's in the present tense. This tense in the Greek refers to a process completed in past time, but having present results. It's right there. John the Apostle is saying, hey, I walked with him. For three and a half years, I followed him. I heard the teachings of Jesus Christ. I heard the teachings of my Savior. And it's in the present tense. So what he's saying there is, I heard him 57 years ago, and what he said is still ringing through my ears. What he said made such an impact in my life that I can still believe it. I can still go back to it. I know it very well. I heard it, and I'm hearing it on a daily basis. Right here, that's something that we can't do. That points to the deity of Jesus Christ. That points to the Son of God because he's alive today. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And for John, he heard it, and he's still hearing it. That's an amazing thing. That shows how powerful the teachings were of Jesus Christ during his ministry. And what it's talking about is it's in the present tense. He's using it again and again and again and again. He's going back to it. It's almost like repeating a science experiment, right? Repeating it over and over and over again to see if you get the same results. 
That's what's talking. That's what he's talking about there. I repeated it. I studied it. I heard him, and I broke it down during the ministry, trying to come to the conclusion that I have today, and that's the fact that he is the Son of God. He broke it down. He said, "I heard it. I believe it. I know it." What John heard. So that's how he starts. John heard the Messiah. John heard the Savior. John heard the Son of God. And then we see something else. John not only heard the Messiah, John not only heard Jesus Christ, but he also saw him as well. The Bible says, That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon. So not only did John get to hear the Messiah, not only did he get to hear his teachings, but he also got to see him as well. Seen with our eyes. Very simple Breaks it down very easy, right? And he says, I saw him. I saw the Messiah right there. But I want to look at the back end of that. He does not just say, I saw with my eyes that he was the Messiah. He goes a little bit into further detail there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, that which we have seen with our eyes and which we have looked upon. Now that term looked upon is very key in this text. The term looked upon right there in the Greek is actually the word theomai. Theomai. That's the word we get our term theater from. Theater. So what he's talking about there, it's not just seeing with our eyes, but he looked upon. It's implying an intense gaze, examining it, coming to the conclusion that he was a son of God. It's a theater. He looked upon. It's like us watching a movie where we're on the edge of our seats. We're watching the beginning. We're watching the climax. We're watching the end. We're seeing the great things that's before us, and we don't want to look away. We're studying it. We go and watch it again and again and again and again because it's one of those greatest movies in the world, right? We go through that. We, we all have that movie that we go to. John is talking about that in that same sense. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm examining it. I experienced it for three years. I took it in. I studied it, and I came to the conclusion that he was the Son of God. John looked long enough to discern that he must be God, for no man could do what he did. He saw the miracles. He heard the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so that pointed to the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. We see he heard him and he saw him. But John not only says that, but he kind of takes it a little bit further to rebuke the Gnostics completely, give the Gnostics no way to to, um, defend their argument whatsoever, and that's the fact that John felt the Messiah. John felt the Savior. John, man, he's key to... He's the person I probably am jealous of most in the New Testament. He was able to lay his head on the bosom of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? Can you imagine that? Able to lay your head on the bosom of Jesus Christ, on the chest of the God of love? Like, that's the most amazing thing in the world to me. But John got to feel the Messiah. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. So he handled Christ. That word of life is pointing to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he heard him. He felt him. He touched him. He's saying, he's not a spirit. Gnosticism's believed that Jesus Christ was a spirit. That's another thing that they implied. Some of them believed it. Some of them, they, some of them didn't. But they believed that he was a spirit. He was of spirit form. He's saying, no, not, not at all, right? I touched him. I felt him. I know that he is, in fact, human. I know that he is, in fact, the God-man. So that's what he's talking about there. He's saying, I heard him, I saw him, I felt him, I've handled the word of life. That's not the main thing that he's talking about here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He breaks it down a little bit more now. What he's referring to is not just the earthly ministry of Christ, not just for those three years, John being able to touch him and feel him, proving the humanity of Jesus Christ, but what he's referring to there is actually after the resurrection. 
right? That term handled there, believe it or not, is actually the same word used in the book of Luke referring to Jesus Christ after the resurrection. The term handled there in the Greek means to handle, to touch, to feel, and to examine closely. The verb means to handle with a view to investigation. View with investigation. You kind of see something, the uh, similarities there, which we, what we have heard, what we have seen, what we have felt, right? It's all examining. It's all investigating. The entire time, John was trying to come to the same conclusion that we need to come to, and that's, is he the Son of God? Is he the Savior? But notice what happened now to kind of climax it and give him, without a shadow of a doubt, no, no waverings, no doubts whatsoever. It's the fact that that same word used in the book of Luke after the resurrection is the same word he's using today. Luke chapter 24, verse 39. This is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he comes back and he goes and sees the apostles. Right? He goes and sees them in his resurrected body. Luke chapter 24, verse 39. The Bible says, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. Right there, that term handled, the same thing used. He handled of the word of life. He investigated and he came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ did die on the cross he was buried, but then he rose again the third day. John heard him, John saw him, and John felt him, and that pointed to the reality of Jesus Christ. That pointed to the fact that, man, he was the deity, and he was the God-man. He was in this flesh, on this earth, and John is writing that to the believers in Christ Jesus so they can have the same, uh, same uh, beliefs as John did, the same confidence as John had. John used his personal experiences to point to the truth of Jesus Christ. And now you can say, Michael, that's something, uh, he's got something far greater than we did. He got to actually be a part of Jesus' ministry. He got to physically hear him and physically touch him and physically see him, right? We got something that they don't, uh, he's got something that we don't have, right? It's not as good. Um, uh, he's got something far greater than we do. We're never going to be able to have that. That's why we have doubts. That's why we have lack of faith. But I'm telling you right now, we can have the same exact thing that John went through. We can use our personal experiences and be able to come to the same conclusion as John did. Because what he did was he handled the word of life. And I'm telling you, for you and me, we can handle the word of life right here and come to the same conclusion that John went through. Amen. We can prove the truth of Jesus Christ. We can believe by knowing what God's word says, aligning it with the truth, and coming to the same conclusion as John had, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, and that he was the savior of the world. Amen. And that's what John went through there. John came to that conclusion. He's given it to the believers, and he breaks it down. He rebukes Gnosticism, and I'm saying, all right, we got it. He's the son of God. I'm telling it. It's truth. It's, it is what it is. And after this, we find out Gnosticism isn't as big after this was released, after this epistle was written. It, it died out a little bit. You don't hear of Gnosticism at all anymore. John used his personal experiences to come to that conclusion. But that's not the key to the epistle of John. You see, the key was not just the reality of Jesus Christ. It was something far more than that. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Matthew chapter 8, verse So we see John was able to use his experiences, his earthly ministry, to come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. And those experiences were pretty awesome to see. No, no man could do what God did. 
writes, no man could do what Jesus Christ did. He saw the miracles. He saw the marvelous things, and that pointed to the reality of Christ. And we see that once again right here. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. The Bible says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So right there, they saw another marvelous miracle that Jesus Christ did, pointing to the reality of Christ, pointing to the fact that he was the Son of God and he was the Savior. And chances are, when John is looking back on his personal experiences, he's probably going back to this moment, proving that he was the Son of God. Notice what they say. This is the apostles talking. What manner of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. What manner of man is this? Now remember, though, this was before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This was before the death. And he's saying, what manner of man? But once John saw Jesus Christ die on the cross for our sins, once he saw Jesus go through beatings and torments for us, once he saw them hang there on the tree for us, once he saw John, once he saw Christ die, is buried in the tomb, and rise again the third day, something changed for John. Something changed for him. Once John was indwelt with the Holy Spirit, after the resurrection, something changed. John no longer was saying, what manner of man is this? John was saying something far greater. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of of God. You see here, it's something far greater for John. It's not just knowing the reality of Jesus Christ. It's the relationship of Christ. It's not the reality, it's the relationship. He's no longer saying, what manner of man is this? He knows he's a son of God. He knows the Savior. Now it's what manner of love, because he saw Jesus Christ die on the cross, bearing his sin and bearing the sins of this world, and he's no longer worried about what he is, his deity, his humanity. It's now, man, the love of Christ. His personal experience is pointed to that, and that's a great thing that we have. And that's a key thing that we need to have in Christ Jesus as well, knowing the love of Christ, taking it in, and believing it. We've got to remember what that is talking about. The most important thing in the Christian life is taking hold of the Lord of the love of Christ yeah. Jesse was talking about that last Wednesday and it's getting a hold of God's love we need to get a hold of God's love because I'm telling you it's gonna change your life Amen. it's the most amazing thing in the world the transforming love of God the transforming grace of God it literally will take the most worthless sinner and cause him call him to preach and call him to go, do great things for the Lord it is the most amazing thing in the world and we need to wrap our heads around it The love of God is amazing. The relationship of Christ. And that was the key thing for John. In his epistles, he was known as the apostle of love, John the Beloved. And he talked about it a lot because he wanted us to know that God is love. And in him is no darkness at all. We need to realize that God is love. And knowing the love of Christ is the most important thing that we can do in our lives. John talked about it so much, he said it more than a hundred times in the epistle of John. In his first epistle. It's not that long of an epistle at all, over 100 times, because he wants us to get a hold of the love of Christ. Notice what he says there. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. He's in pure awe right there. He's in pure amazement. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. No longer what manner of man. It's what manner of love 
the Father hath bestowed upon us. The most important thing. And what he's saying there, what he's doing, is he's just pointing to the love of Christ. It's not a question, it's a statement. He's saying, behold, what manner of love. That's like us saying, check this out. Look, take a gander. This is the most amazing thing in the world. Behold, what manner of love. It's like us when we can't explain something, but we know it's there. Right? It's like when we're on a trip at the Grand Canyon, Glacier National Park, the Black Hills, and we're with our family, and we're seeing these amazing things that God has done. Amazing, amazing things that God has created, and we're saying, oh, look at that. Check that out. Oh, behold, behold, behold. We can't explain how it was built. We can't explain it all, but we know it enough to be like, behold. Check this out. Look, and that's what John is saying there. It is too amazing for him to keep it in himself. He's saying, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. And now that term, what manner, is very key. The term manner of love actually gives the idea of coming from another world and a love that we don't truly understand in and of ourselves. Yeah. We can't comprehend it. We can't fully wrap our head around it. It passes our knowledge. Amen. But through the Holy Spirit, we can know it enough to get a hold of it and say, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. This is agape love. This is something that we can't comprehend in and of ourselves. It gives nothing expected in return. And that seems strange to us. That seems hard to wrap our heads around because it's, he's so pure and holy. Yes. We can't comprehend it. Behold, what peculiar, out-of-this-world kind of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That's what John is basically saying there. What peculiar, out-of-this-world. It's out-of-this-world. I can't comprehend it, but the love of God is amazing. And all I'm saying is, behold, what manner of love. And for a few moments, I just want to focus on that real quick. Think about the manner of love in your life. What manner of love that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us? What manner of love that we are overcomers? What manner of love that we now have our comforter, our best friend and our savior with us wherever you go? What manner of love is this? Behold, what manner of love? What manner of love that in spite of our sin, he calls us to preach? What manner of love that in spite of our sin, he saves us from the depths of hell? What manner of love? What manner of love that is he, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? What manner of love? What manner of love that we have riches and blessings in Christ Jesus for eternity? What yeah. manner of love? I'm telling you right now, that's the greatest thing in the world. We need to realize it. We need to, we need to behold it. We need to point people to the love of Christ because it is the most amazing thing that we can ever go through. I'm telling you right now, there's times when I can't comprehend it the way that I should. There's times where I can't wrap my head around the love of God, and there's times where I have doubts. But in that moment, when I look back at my personal experiences with Jesus Christ, just like John did, and I look back on the word of life, and I look back on what, John, what Jesus has done for me, and I look back on the fact that he saved my soul from a literal burning hell, the fact that in spite of my sin, in spite of my failures, in spite of me making mistakes and falling short time and time again, he still loves me with an everlasting love. When I look to Calvary, I'm telling you, there's times where I don't understand it. There's times where I can't comprehend it. But in that moment, when I look to Jesus, in that moment, all I can say, all I can think, all I can do is to lift up my hands and lift up my voice and say, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We need to take that in. We need to realize that we need to understand that love of God is going to be able to take away all doubts in our life. 
all things that where we have lack of faith, when we don't think that um, we are worthy, when we don't think that we are good enough, when we don't think we're going to overcome a temptation or a sin in our life, all we have to do is look to Calvary and say, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I'm telling you right now, one of my biggest fears in the world is people falling short of the glory of God is uh, people in my life that don't have Christ Jesus and are on their way to a literal burning hell. It's my biggest fear in the world. But I'm telling you right now, when I, instead of being fearful, instead of um, just giving up, all I can say, all I can do is to look to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love. Amen. Right there, we can have confidence that if we go out and preach, if we go out and witness, people are going to be able to see the love of Christ through us. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We need to take that in. John Phillips had this to say on the love of God. Our imaginations are overwhelmed at the thought of all that is involved here and hereafter in being members of the royal family of heaven. Let us try, however, to picture the grand parade and glory as God reviews upon his throne the saints of all the ages as they all come marching in. Abel, the first martyr of the faith, and Enoch, the first saint to experience rapture. Noah, mighty victor of the flood and second father to the human race. Abraham, heralded as the father of all them that believe, and known in heaven as the friend of God. We see Isaac, the man who became obedient unto death, and who is highly honored in heaven for being thus so much like Jesus. We also see Jacob, renowned in heaven as a prince with God. Joseph, once the grand vizier of Egypt, and known as Zaphnath-Paneah, the revealer of secrets, and the savior of the worlds. We also see Job, of whom it was said that there was none like him in all the earth. Moses, who might have become Egypt's next pharaoh had he not had an all-victorious vision of Christ. We then see David, once called a man after God's own hearts. Daniel, known in heaven as a man greatly beloved. We then see John the Baptist, of whom Jesus himself said there was not a greater man born of woman than he. But wait, it's our turn now. As we come in, the grandstands ring with cheers, and all the hosts of heaven stands. The trumpet sounds. The flags are dipped on the towers and the turrets of the New Jerusalem, and the herald angel announces our fame. Sons of God and joint heirs with Christ. Sons of God and joint heirs with Christ. Amen. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Let's take a second and think about that. Realize how good God is in our lives. What a great God we have. Amen. The love of God is so mighty. It can overcome any sin, any temptation, any difficulty, trial, or testing that we go through. The love of God. When we are having troubles, when we feel like we want to give up, when we don't have enough time to get the stuff done that we need to, all we have to say is, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That takes away all our troubles. Amen. That takes away all our problems. When we look to Jesus and we look to Calvary and we say, Behold, what manner of love. I'm not trying to convict tonight. I'm not trying to, to guilt you into living a holy life today. There's only one thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you to the same conclusion I have and the same conclusion John has. And that's behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. Take hold of the love of God. Don't walk out of here without knowing, without a shadow of a doubt, that God loves you with an everlasting love. Amen. 